Welcome to Striving for Revival with Justin Cooper, Assistant Pastor at North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. This broadcast will challenge and encourage God's people to seek revival. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to Striving for Revival. Welcome to the Striving for Revival radio broadcast. This is Pastor Justin Cooper coming to you today from the KNVBC studio at the North Valley Baptist Church here in Santa Clara, California. My, what a privilege it is to have you join us for the broadcast today, and what an honor is mine to take the King James Bible and share with you some eternal truth from the very Word of God. You know, if you've been tuning in, that we have been studying together through the fifth chapter of Second Corinthians, and we are still in the midst of this great chapter. And this chapter began with Paul talking about the difference between our current physical body and the spiritual body, the glorified body that awaits for us, and how he longed to switch out of this tabernacle and enter into his building, a permanent, permanent body made like unto the Lord Jesus Christ, a glorified spiritual body body. Now, if you've missed those studies, we've done probably five or so in the first several verses of this chapter. You can catch all of them on the podcast. All you need to do is go to wherever podcasts can be found, type in Striving for Revival, become a subscriber, and then you'll have instant access to all of those previous Bible studies that we've done here on the radio. So I want to encourage you to take advantage of that and uh, be a podcast subscriber. That way, if you miss us on your station, you can catch us some other way. Uh, You you say, on the podcast, that's how you do it. And that way you never have to miss a single Bible study that we do. Now, today we're going to begin reading here in verse number 12. We finished out with verse 11 last study. So verse 12, we'll pick it up. And remember, 2 Corinthians is different from 1 Corinthians in that in 1 Corinthians, Paul is correcting the Corinthian church. And in 2 Corinthians, largely, Paul is validating or defending his own apostleship and the genuineness of his ministry. The Corinthians were criticizing and questioning Paul, mostly, I believe, because he had called out their sin and they looked for any kind of flaw in the man so that they could discredit the message, even though the message was correct. And so they were beginning to take shots at Paul. And now verse 12 gives us a little bit of insight into that. That is the context. Look what it says. For we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that you may have somewhat to answer them which glory in appearance and not in heart. And so Paul is beginning to, again, defend himself here. And Paul is not seeking to prove himself to the Corinthians. He didn't think he needed to. His proof was in the pudding, if you want, if you say, if, uh, if you know what I mean. He loved them, and he'd invested in them, and he'd mentored them, and he corrected them with compassion. But he was giving them opportunity to be encouraged here so that they might answer uh, those who focus on the outside or on the circumstance and not on the heart. So Paul's thought is he hoped that he could explain his ministry, he could explain his motives, he could explain his uh, compassion, his love, his genuine uh, affection for the Corinthians, and there would be those in the Corinthian church that would believe him and know that he's telling the truth, be sympathetic to him, and that they would uh, uh, vouch for him in a way to his brethren there. So he said, you know, you need to understand, he said, to have this information so that you can combat those who glory in appearance and not in heart. Now, I don't doubt that he was talking maybe about those who were Pharisees, uh, 
Maybe those in the church who were saved and yet still had pharisaical tendencies. But rather than focusing on the spiritual, the internal, they were focused on the external. Verse 13 says, For whether we be beside ourselves, it's of God, or whether we be sober, it's for your cause. Now, here's a criticism, no doubt, leveled at Paul. You think you're the only person ever to be criticized? That's not true. The Lord was criticized. David was criticized. Paul was criticized. Anybody who does a work for God will face criticism. B.R. Lakin said, if you want everyone to love you, then be just as sorry as they are. He said, if you want everybody in town to love you, then be, uh, then have nothing, know nothing, and do nothing. Everybody will love you. He said this. He said, you know, this, he said, if the devil's kicking you from behind, at least you're in the lead. And so you're going to get criticism if you do any kind of considerable work for God. And here Paul said, obviously he's being criticized. Maybe they're calling him crazy. He said, if we be beside ourselves. <laughs> that means, uh, or if we be sober, he said, if we be crazy or if we're in our right mind, he said, if we're out of our mind or in the right frame of mind, he said, it's for God's work. He, he said, I don't care. You can call me crazy if you want to. I'm not in this thing to impress you. I'm in this thing for the Lord. I'm serving God regardless. Verse 14, for the love of Christ constraineth us. And that is worthy of an underline in your Bible. What was Paul's motivation? What was Paul's compelling? What was Paul's drive? What was Paul's motivator? What was Paul's uh, 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 inward force that propelled him to this outward service? Here it is, the love of Christ constrained him. Constrained means it impelled. It's an impelling, motivating force in his life. The love that Christ had for Paul developed a love in Paul for Christ, and it made him press on through the quitting places. It was what drove him forward. He said, I press toward the mark. I am constrained by the love of Christ. The fact that Jesus loved a sinner like me, that he on the road to Damascus would purposely intervene in my life in that way, that he would make himself known in such a miraculous fashion, that he would display his divinity and shower his grace down upon me and then guide my steps and send uh, uh, Ananias and Barnabas and others into my life, and he would reveal to me what he's revealed to me about the gospel and the grace of God and the church and all of these New Testament truths that were mysteries before. He said, I think about how good Christ has been in my life. He's loved me like no one's ever loved me. And because of that, he said, I dare not quit nor even consider it, but I go forward. The love of Christ constraineth me. The next phrase says, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. So he's beginning to use some logic here. He said, if, if Jesus died for all, then we were all under the spiritual sentence of death. We were dead in trespasses and in sin. So Christ died as our substitute. He died in our place so that we would not have to face eternal separation from God's spiritual death. In verse 15, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live under themselves, but unto him which died for them, <coughs> excuse me, and rose 
again. So here's the cause. Here's why Paul was constrained. He said, I understand I was a dead man walking. I was dead in trespasses and in sins. It didn't matter how strict I was or how straight I was according to my Jewish heritage. It did not matter how pious I attempted to be or how self-righteous I considered myself to be. It didn't matter how, how I dressed or if I wore the phylactery upon my forehead or how many times I went to temple or if I observed every hour of prayer. I was lost and undone without the Son of God. I was a dead man walking, a stranger, an alien, cut off from God because of my sin. Though I were a Jew, I was a sinner that needed to be saved. And he said, Christ died for all. And that included me. I'm so glad he included me, Paul would say. He died for all. Why? Because all were dead. And now that I've been born again, he said, here's the only logical response. I should henceforth live not unto myself, but unto Christ, because he died for me and he rose again. Why in the world do we serve for another world? I mean, serve for the Lord, serve for eternity, serve for what waits beyond this life. Because we have the realization that we deserved hell. I mean, we deserved it. I mean, we earned it, we merited it, we were uh, uh, pulled and constrained that way by our own free will. But grace stepped in, mercy intervened, and God planted a cross in the pathway that we were trotting to hell. And when we came to that cross, thank God for opened eyes, a opened heart, the illumination of the Spirit that let us see ourselves as we are and see Christ for who He is. And there we knelt at the foot of that cross and lifted our hands and said, Nothing in my hand I bring, but simply to this cross I'll cling. My hope will be built on nothing less but Jesus, your blood, and your righteousness. Lord, forgive me. And thank God that day when you, by faith, called out to Christ for forgiveness of sin, you were saved by the grace of God. And since Christ died for you, no matter the scorn, no matter the slander, no matter the storm, no matter the, uh, the, uh, the circumstance, the conflict, the difficulty. As Paul said, so say we, for the love of Christ constraineth us. And we press on because Jesus loves us so. That's all of our time for today. Make sure you tune in next broadcast. Until then, pray with me for revival. Thank you for joining us today for Striving for Revival with Justin Cooper. Assistant Pastor at North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. Listen at this time every weekday as we strive for revival.